This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. That's my team's weapon of choice, target locked. We are off the mark. No, 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 Paul, Pete, we're, not, we're, strangers. We're, not, we're not doing it. Strangers, give them the spotlight. Strangers, I, tell all your boys and let them know that I'm a monster. Spit syndicate. We're not doing another spit syndicate episode. <laughs> oh, right. I'm, I'm drawing a line no, in the no, sand. No, no, please. No, 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 no. We can come back to them, but I'm drawing a line in the sand <laughs> because we need tell, to. Tell you. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Because real talk, real talk. I've got something serious to talk about. Well, no, I don't. No, 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 no. I was starting. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll save mine for the next episode. Okay, Is it you good? Go. Mine's medium. Mine's like six and a half out of ten. Let's see. Let's let's just let's just go where the muse takes us. You go. You go. Come on. Is yours good? Come on. Come on. Ah, right, cool. I've told you, my business model is find rich people, get them to pay too much money for legal services, pay myself a small salary, pay the people who employ me fuckloads. Yeah. That's basically the model. Yeah. Right? Is that is that the model for like all legal work, basically? Yeah. Pay me, not a small amount. I'm not particularly poor. Pay the people who employ me fuckloads. Right, gotcha. My ambition is to become one of the people who employ me so mm-hmm. I get paid fuckloads for other people doing work. Mm-hmm. It's called you capital. Say, you say working on a <laughs> podcast recorded at a community radio station. It's called but, capitalism. But between the two of us have like 15 years experience on A. Mm-hmm. And between the two of us, we have 30 years. Actually, yeah, that's a really good point. Fuck, that's man, a we are the boost. <laughs> so um, because I... <laughs> am whoever I am, Yeah. whenever I um, get into one of these with supremely wealthy people, I reveal my true personality as I'm, I'm pretty good at doing in day-to-day life. And Shag, I think you'd agree that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm pretty open. You are very much a hard-on-your-sleeve person. So I want to put you back in brand consultant mode or advertising okay. mode, right? Yeah, cool. So there we are. We're in a room full of rich people. Yeah. This is the pitch. This is what I did at the... Client drinks. Set, set the scene. So yeah. So you're at a, you're at a drinks. Then you're at, at a table. Uh, New South Wales Parliament House. Wow. Okay. We're I think at, I've ever been there. Of course you fucking haven't. Like you know anyone <laughs> rich enough? Like I don't know anyone rich enough. But it's just a bit weird that I'm at a rich people drinks. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's client drinks, so it's the um, most cashed up investment bank in Australia. Please don't look into that. Do not find out who it is. Yep, Do okay. not look into my background. It's not really that. It's something else. Okay, don't okay. worry. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's a joke. Okay, right? it's not. Right. Yeah. There I am at not what I was actually at, and there are a lot of rich people there, and because of my manner and because I'm myself, I get along well with a significant number of people. And um, what the night is, which surprised me a bit, is a series of pitches, right? It's for X, Y, Z approaches to investment, approaches to how your portfolio ought to be managed. 
And at the end, I was like, yeah, look, it's interesting. I can understand why suggestion A, good returns and moderate risk, and then suggestion B, low risk and moderate returns, and suggestion C, high risk, high return. Yeah, it's all, it's all, isn't it all amazing? And I get chatting, and then towards the end, I'm like, oh, hey, guys, like I should put my cards on the table of, of the approach I take to these things and, and the approach I take to the economy generally. And so, Shag, we might have talked about Thomas Piketty before, but he's a French economist. Uh, you're probably familiar with him. He's, a, he's an important character in this podcast. <laughs> he's usually important in Spooko, the horror movie <laughs> podcast. So, over the last 60, 70 years or so, the rate of return on capital has grown faster than the rate of return on labor. Now, if I'm going to if I'm going to summarize that, mm. that basically means if I own stuff, I make more money than if I work. Very broadly speaking, 100% right. Which is not where things should be. Let's let's hang on to should and okay. let, let me take you genuinely back into this meeting. Okay. Cool. And so I say to people who are capitalists, who are capital holders who derive their well-being from holding on to capital. I say, look, look, this growth has happened faster than labour growth. And everyone's human. Like, no one's sitting here saying, let's torture everyone and st- trample on them. And I sort of said, so, um, what is proposed is that the greater inequality between growth in return on capital, mm-hmm. the greater the inequality between growth in return on own and stuff versus growth in return on doing stuff the more inequality arises and the less stable the society becomes. And so it is in the interests of both the capital holders and the labour exerters to do their best to balance out the inequality because for so long as it is unbalanced and increasingly unbalanced, imbalanced, risk will arise. So this is this this is a philosophy that you uh, it's a, it's a economic history done by this guy Thomas that, Thomas Piketty. That you agree with and I imagine the people in this room don't necessarily agree with. Uh, the financial advisors have read the book and have sympathy for it. Yep. And so it wasn't me fucking burning it down and flipping everyone off and saying fuck you. Everyone was like, mm, yeah, okay, I get it." Like, all right, yeah, like, like I was like, mm, all right, okay, let's let's keep talking. Because, like, you know my manner, I talk like a rich person and all that sort of thing. And so I came to the point of, like, well, okay, so if we accept it's a problem, you know, and I'm like, look, I'm not saying you have to accept it's a problem. Um, I do and you don't have to. And, so, like, you know me, Shag, I'm, I'm fairly diplomatic. I was like, like you, if you accept my view that it's a problem, the question is, right, how do we... Uh, increase the rate of wage growth or decrease the rate of capital growth relative to each other. Mm. Yeah, no one has to lose in this scenario. And the short answer is tax capital. Right, gotcha. So that's that's like ta- t- uh, taxing taxing wealth, yep. taxing inheritance, yep. taxing uh, like death taxes and the property tax on the house you don't live in. Yeah, there is two just basic ones on the face of it of like intergenerational wealth. The money you don't earn yep. that you get from your dad because your dad's rich um, that I don't earn that I get from my mum or dad because my mum or dad's is, rich. Is there a tax on that now? Like if I No, not in Australia. So that's insane. Like there should be a tax on that. I mean... Or not. Like, like, And so this is the Gruen transfer no, no, moment that Pitch, I'm coming Pitch, to throw Pitch. you under the bus on. I know, but I want you to stop here. I want you to... Because I, I think you're, you're such an interesting case. And I love... Of or You are... Of course, you're the person who would find yourself in this room. <laughs> and telling people who have way more money than they need that, in fact, they probably need to be taxed more, which I think is amazing. And I love that you did that. I want you to take off your 
completely objective lawyer hat because I think you're such an interesting case in that. I think I think deep down you're a total anarchist and you're like Burn. no no but I think you are and I think I think you've always exhibited that in the way in your attitude to life but on the other hand you've got a young family and I get that and you're also very competitive and you're in a very competitive industry where it's all about being better getting more clients getting you know going up in that rungs yeah. so hat off do you think there should be an inheritance tax yes um, and I'm delighted you asked that and I can put it to you because my mum and dad are not poor. You've seen the house I grew up in. Mm-hmm. You're aware of my dad's job. You're aware of the fact that my mum has not had to work for the last 25 years. You're, you might be aware of my granddad's job and you might be aware that he's still alive and has a significant investment portfolio, that, et cetera, et cetera. So I am likely to benefit hugely if the rate of capital growth accelerates faster than the rate of wage growth. So it's not in my interest to come and do death duties. And the line I've got is that I'm a socialist in the streets and a capitalist in the sheets. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, whenever I speak to my accountant, I'm like, oh, I've donated heaps to charity. Like, come on, oh, come on, I bought this computer. I'd edit the coffee in the case note. Come on, fucking the Australian taxpayers can pay for that, can't they? I don't have to pay tax on that, do I? Do I? Come on, get in there, get sharp. Similar to you, Gu. Like, you have a social justice heart, Mm -hmm. but you're interested in getting advice that allows you to pay the least tax reasonably possible. You're not out there to cheat anyone. You're just out there to get acceptable, straightforward advice on... Oh, yeah, I do go to an accountant. So do I. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the the streets and sheets dichotomy. And so... I love that you fuck like a capitalist. (laughs) I hugely do. But you... you Because you've had heaps of sex. Oh, Shag, three children, right? <laughs> so let's let's go back into the maths. At least at least two attempts per child. That brings us to six. You're almost in double digits. And then then go practice for those. Let's say brings us to at least nine. Tracking back, we then just for one of calculation go one per decade from those. Oh, like like we crossed ten. Like we're way many, over ten. How many New Year's Eves have there been? Since? Oh, yeah, exactly. There's been a few. There's been a few. Let's cross fifty more okay. than fifty times that's, in my life. I think that's more than anyone in the world. Fuck, what's up? I don't Get think at even, us on Instagram. I don't think even Prince had sex fifty times. Like that's he insane. would have done his best. I'm sure he did his best, and you know, good on him for trying. But yeah, what's up, Prince? <laughs> So, also, what's what? So, so, where where are we going with this story? I'm going with transfer challenge. I want you to sell more tax to these rich people. Okay, so so can I can I like that's that's where we're going. This is this is one of those. So things. this is the horror movie podcast advertising increased tax challenge that we were talking about. So. How long are we spending on this intro? Oh my god, it is. It's it's Tuscan leather. How long is leather. it actually? Really, keep all of this, please. It's, it's Tuscan leather. How it's long Tuscan is it? Leather. No, tell me. Tell me the number. I, I don't know. 14, because, 14 minutes. I don't know because we're recording this on Garage Band <laughs> and it's measured in bars. <laughs> So, so for all, so, so, so we're into the third episode of this particular (laughs) chunk that we're recording Mm. and we're up to almost 1800 bars. So whatever, whatever that. I've got a hundred bars for anyone who wants it. (laughs) (laughs) Short answer, short answer. I'm I'm not going to answer that challenge, but (laughs) there, there are some interesting things that I would say that I can help you. So as I've said to you before, broadly, Mm. 
most people make a decision in terms of you advertising through emotion. Mm-hmm. That's why pretty much every Super Bowl commercial is either funny or it's emotive. Because, yep. you know, laughing counts as, you know, being enjoying it, being happy or whatever is an yeah. emotion, right? So they're successful for that reason, right? Yep. But when you get to that sort of upper level where they're the... I, I can't. I, I think they're, they're generally just known as whales. So a lot of businesses rely on a small number of their audience to actually pay all their bills. So, for example, Spotify, 5% of people who listen to Spotify pay for it, right? No. They're the whales. I, I or like, oh, okay. like FIFA, right? I pay for it. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're a whale to Spotify, right? Sick. So it's like you and, and you... $12 a month. Um, FIFA, for example, is a computer game, but more and more they don't make money from people buying the game. They make money from people buying in-game currency to purchase packs. Players or to, Yeah, to basically purchase stuff for their online team, right? Yep. Now, they will spend they will spend three or four hundred bucks per person rather than just the sixty or seventy dollars you have to pay per in store, right? Yeah. But there's only a small proportion of them. So it's 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 interesting, right? So yes. And for those people, for those whales, you need to have a, a more of a rational message. You need to be like, well, what do I get in yes. return? And I think what you said before is a good one in the way where it's like, if you can somehow sell it to people by being like, <laughs> you'll actually get heaps by having your stuff taxed, which I think is kind of right because it's like, I think the major problem here, and this is something I've thought of for a while, is the idea that taxes are bad. Well, like the, the weird marketing job that someone somewhere did probably in America many many years ago that taxes are a bad thing is the root of the problem if you can flip that and be like actually taxes are good because they pay for all of this awesome stuff that everyone benefits from then everyone wins let's do it well but uh, that's, that's the carrot and the stick is I'll come to Vaucluse and because I'm an anarchist I'll burn your fucking house down <laughs> today's movie is It Chapter 2 Yes. I used to live here. Hello. All right, we're going straight into this thing because I don't think you really need to see the trailer of it because it... Let me tell you what happens. It comes back. Ewan McGregor, blah, blah, blah. It's basically the same. Let's do it. It is basically the same. And (laughs) I think it's quite fitting that this followed... uh, bizarrely off-topic conversation about investment and taxes and anarchy because this is what you would call like a, this is what you would call a safe investment and not necessarily an exciting investment. Low risk, low return. Can't basically, wait. yeah, right? It's like, okay, well, the first one was successful. If we just basically... Do the fucking same thing. Chuck Obi-Wan Kenobi in there. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't... Was he? Was Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan Kenobi? Oh, he was, wasn't he? Yeah. Who did Liam Neeson play? Oh, he played... Uh, Obi-Wan's Obi-Wan. Yeah. Like, Shag, you and I are going to get his name in about six or seven seconds. He was, played... I haven't seen... Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. So, you know, the the episode four, which is the original Star Wars from like 1979 yeah. or whatever. If you watch that again, oh, my God, the first half of the movie, nothing happens. Like the whole time you're just like, <laughs> they're still on this fucking <laughs> desert planet. He's talking about wanting to go to like the space disco with his friends, but he works at a farm and there's some... Old, like, it's so boring. Like, nothing happens. It sucks. Again, I'm not trying to start beef. It's like, 
People I really, probably am actually In the same way that you saw The Princess Bride And were like It is not <laughs> worth this. this yeah. No you didn't You were just like It's fine Yeah Right like you Yeah that was my response You're like yep. it's good it, Whatever what, Cool if, jokes If you gave it a star rating You would give it uh, if I was 1999, four and a half stars, uh, 2020, uh, two and three quarter to three star. Yeah, like Pixar has been, you know, has come out since then. All of the Marvel movies have come out since then. We've like, learned to lot. Have you the early Marvel movies? You're like, this? <laughs> I watched the first Iron Man the other week and I was like, this fucking sucks. Like, this is garbage. All right, okay. So can, can we just, we'll, we'll just remember that. Going, Let me refresh your memory. No, 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 no. Going back, because so, I'm just going to go back to the the end of the first. I was one. going back to that. All right. So what happened at the end? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so as summer ends, Beverly and remember, there's this group of kids. They're the losers. They go down. I into, remember all this. Yeah, they go down into a well to fight a clown who's actually an evil being from another yeah, dimension. Yeah, I, I know all this. There's kids floating in the sky. I'd that forgotten is, that. Actually, yeah. Beverly informs the group of a vision she had while catatonic. I do remember that. She it's got funny. catatonic because she saw the deadlights, which is actually the real form of Pennywise, because he's actually a interdimensional being that's made of light and feeds on children's fears. Do you you know any Pennywise song other than Society? Like I was like, I'm not sure I do. So that oh one called God, The oh Unknown God. Road. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my the god! The Unknown Road. That was song. Do you yeah. have how mm. many songs do you have where you know the title and you know it's an iconic song and you've probably never heard it in your life? Almost. Tell all, me. Tell me. Tell so, me. So number one for me, almost every Beatles song. <laughs> Like, people are like, how's this Beatles song? I'm like, yeah. Classic. It's a classic. <laughs> and again, no shade. I just never had a Beatles face. But also, I'm pretty sure there's a Pennywise song called Bro Him, which is like a fun name for a song. And apparently it's what they end their concerts with. I think they just did like a massive reunion show at the end more. I think it was the last song. I remember somebody sharing a video of like everybody going nuts and being like, Bro Him, finally. 2020 made it happen or something. I've never heard that song. Imagine how bored you'd be going there. Like, we went to the Hold Steady in 2007. That was pretty sick. That was all old men. And old men to our 2007 perception meant people younger than you and I now. My favourite photo I've seen recently on social and also no shade to bald men <laughs> but it was like it was it was a photo it was a photo of a tall concert crowd Aww. and it just said the caption was just count the bald men and honestly the first thing lots. I did was like there were lots but then the second thing I was, I was like I couldn't see a woman <laughs> like, Aww, of course not <laughs> Okay, all right. So anyway, it ends It ends with Beverly being like she had this vision that they'd all come back together and fight It. I remember. Adults. All right, okay. So you ready to go for It Chapter 2? Let's do it. In 2016, Derry, Maine, Don Haggerty witnesses his boyfriend Adrian Mellon being murdered by Pennywise after a gang of homophobic teenagers beat them and throw Adrian off a bridge while leaving the annual Derry Carnival. Ugh, okay. Fucking <laughs> hell. Yeah, so that's how it starts. And it's like, this is unrelated. It's the previous just, movie closed with child pornography. No, no, it L- didn't. Lest they, we, they oh, sorry, the that, book did. The book did. They took that out of the movie mm-hmm. because, again, what passed in the 80s doesn't pass now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all that scene was doing was... Saying the, it's around... It's back, basically. Homophobia's bad. Yep. Yeah, basically, yeah. And probably... Based on, they'd probably since it part one came out, and everyone was like, "Hang on, that bit in the original book's pretty fucked." They probably did need to put in a scene to be like, "Bit of wokeness to be like, guys, don't worry." Basically, yeah, totally, totally, just like we do in this podcast. (laughs) 
to overcome how terrible we were as teenage and we're young still 20s fairly boys. bad overhearing a police scanner and investigating the scene mike hanlon if you remember is one of the losers discovers it has returned and calls his childhood friends get ready for an avalanche of names bill denbrough ben hanscom beverly marsh richie tozier eddie kasparak and stanley uris Back to Derry to honour the promise they made in 1989 to kill it if it came back. In fairness, very good names. Let's continue. While the others travel to Derry with only hazy memories and a sense of dread, Stan slashes his wrists in the bathtub soon after getting the call. The losers meet for dinner at a Chinese restaurant where Mike refreshes their memories while they are tormented by hallucinations and learn of Stan's death. So basically, they've left Derry and... Fucking, I'm listening. I'm excited. I'm having fun. I'm just saying they've forgotten about I it. I listened. Okay. All right. Okay. Richie and Eddie just... Like, I do listen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what you think I'm doing over here. <laughs> The point is of the podcast is for me to listen to you read it. Richie and Eddie Two to go. Richie and Eddie decide to leave until Beverly reveals that ever since she was exposed to its deadlights, she has been experiencing visions of their deaths should they fail or leave town without fulfilling their promise. Mike takes That's some serious emotional manipulation of like nightmares if you don't do it (laughs) Mike takes Bill to his library abode and shows him via a drug induced vision that the Shopakiwa Native Americans tribe ritual of Chud can stop it for I can't like like, capital I, I for it that's the thing I was thinking just put a fucking capital I if it means Pennywise or call it Pennywise you know yeah Actually, that's a really good point. Because it, yeah, like, it's never actually, like, it's called Pennywise. We call it Pennywise. Yeah. They called Pennywise earlier in this entry. Mm. Wikipedia, Jimmy, like, what's up? Fix it. Going to their old clubhouse and acquiring Stan's shower cap, Mike explains that the ritual requires seven personal items from their past to be sacrificed and advises the others to find their artifacts by retracing their steps following oh, their falling out. Each have out. to get seven? It's a bit video gamey. Fucking hell. It's like now you have to find the sacred the trinket. the sacred trinket mission. Fucking hell. And you've got seven of them and then after the seven you get to take on the final boss. Oh, so 49 in total or whatever it is. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> At a baseball game, a little girl named Victoria is killed after it, as Pennywise, deceives her by saying that he can remove a birthmark from her face. Uh, okay, it's starting to get upsetting. Yep, yeah. cool. And it's like, and now it, like, the thing is, it's like now it is this monster with a massive mouth and heaps of teeth and it just bites people's heads off. Like, that's that's what it does in the second movie. It's a bit whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, because it's part of the, like, hey, blobby, do you want a balloon or whatever you yeah. said? I was like, that's oh, a bit freaky. Yeah, and now it's just. And it's like, like, I'm a scary monster. I eat heads. Now, meanwhile, Henry Bowers, who was the evil bully in the first one, uh, survived being pushed into the well at the Nabold house and was was arrested for murdering his father in 1989 so he's been in a mental asylum all this time (laughs) and even in 2016 it's one of those it's a loony bin mental asylum it's a proper loony bin where there's people walking around being like uh 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 and there's someone repeating the same phrase over and over and there's someone just standing staring at a wall and there's evil orderlies like treating them badly fuck you guys (laughs) one flew over the fuck you guys (laughs) all right so he's still in this mental institution but he escapes with the help from it. 
Now, Beverly then finds Ben's love letter at her old what? phone. It helps him escape. Yeah, because it wants him as like an ally. It uses Henry. It, it, it did it in the last one as well. It kind okay. of uses Henry Bowles as like a, as a henchman. Familiar yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah. Every Stephen King book, like, and I love Stephen King, uh, despite some of the questionable things he writes. Uh, every The book, child pornography he writes. Every book almost without fail has an evil entity that somehow controls a human as a bit of a puppet to do bad stuff. Like every single one. And in well, fact, the dark pistol. And in fact, called. I'm currently watching the mini series about a recent book he did called the outsider. And there's a character like that in it. What about the dark crystal tower or whatever it's called? No one has read them. You like, I like but Idris Elba was in a film of them. Reading Stephen King's fantasy novels is like ordering the fancy burgers at McDonald's. No one does it. Like, you might do it once and be like, I wonder how this... No, but it's true, right? Who the fuck... And I'm sorry, like, and again, I'm not telling McDonald's how to do its job, but who the fuck's going to order all three... McDonald's is a client of yours. But not for the things we do. Like, we did do stuff for them. Fuck you, McDonald's. (laughs) Go, (laughs) stop making fancy burgers. I love McDonald's, but... And I'm like, and I think they would know this better than I know this. Mm. But people aren't going into McDonald's for a spicy McChicken <laughs> with fried jalapenos. No, they're not. They're going in for the classics, right? Yep. And it's the same with Stephen King. It's like, good for you, Stephen King. Test You've written a thousand books this year. Awesome. <laughs> Try a bit of fantasy, but yep. I want to hear about an evil entity that has been haunting the streets of Maine since the dawn of time and has been controlling school bullies. Let's, let's fucking get him. That's what I want to hear about. Now, anyway, so let's cut to Beverly, who finds Ben's love letter at her old home, still believing Bill wrote it. Okay, so remember that Ben was the tubby kid that was in love with her, but she was in love with Bill, and he sent her an anonymous letter that said something like, your I hair don't is- remember this. No, but it's like, your hair is fire, autumn lights, or something. Like, it's it's one of those poems that, as a 16-year-old, I was like, I don't think I've ever read something more beautiful. <laughs> and now I'm just like, it's just whatever. But so Jimmy she- Nice would write something more beautiful. So she... She, she think didn't they have a didn't they have a lyric that was like I'm getting head at the top of Sydney Tower? Yeah, it's in that same song <laughs> that I was singing before. So there's just like the actual song. It would be awesome to play and to not- play my children. Of like, so it opens up with tell. Bitch, just bitch, don't stop, listen to stop, me. Stop, stop line in the sand. Sorry, I shouldn't have opened that can. Of no, you no, did. No, 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 no. no, no you no. have to deal with the consequences. <laughs> no, 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 no. So it starts Pete, off with this Pete, line. Pete. Tell. It starts off with this line that says. Tell me why would these shit cunts want it with me? Right, that's the first line. As the C bomb, and then the line is: Last night I got my dick sucked on top of Sydney. And just apart from that, there are no swears in the song. It's just like, oh, guys, come on now, shit cunts and dick sucked. Does it actually say shit cunts? Stay no, with no. me. Yes, yes. I'm not yes. asking the question. For fuck's sake, I'm an idiot. This is my no, fault. No, don't worry. Ready? Here goes. Shaggy recording. Ready? But tell me why would these shit cunts want it with me, Shag? Ready? Ready? This is Nick Lukerby. Tell me why would these shit cunts want it with me? Last night I got my dick sucked on top of Sid. Tonight I'll probably pick up. Yeah, hi, I'm with my dad. He told me stories from the 60s. I'm turning your mic off. I'm turning your mic off. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Are we cool? Because we have like a million more paragraphs to go oh, on this fuck. fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is the longest episode we've done, and my favorite. 
All right, so still believing Bill wrote this love letter, she encounters it posing as Mrs. Kirsch. Ben recalls another childhood encounter with Pennywise at high school before realizing his artifact is the yearbook page Beverly signed, which he kept in his wallet. Both Richie and Eddie recall their own personal encounters with it while retrieving their artifacts, a game token from an abandoned arcade and an inhaler. Pennywise confronts Richie and taunts him about his sexuality, leading to him deciding to leave again and reconsidering again after recalling Stan's bar mitzvah before menacing Eddie in the guise of the leper, but flees when Eddie... Oh, fuck. What is going on? Christ (laughs) This is the worst sentence of all. Um, But flees when Eddie standing up to it causes the being to shrink in size. Okay. Yeah, so... At- Is that a power you can use to it to be like, it, you stop that, and he shrinks in size? The worst thing about it is that if you believe <laughs> and if you're not afraid of it, it, it can't hurt you. So... Uh... In, in the books, it wasn't quite like that, but in the movies, it's like, guys, we just have to believe in the power of friendship. Oh, fuck. And that the- sucks. Yeah. But to be fair... They stabbed him in the face in the previous it. To be fair... It's better than a child orgy. Like, yeah, this, this is what it's replaced. Yeah, this is the human centipede argument. <laughs> yeah. like, you can describe every film as being better than something worse. <laughs> all right, okay, all right, okay, okay. So Bill finds his childhood bicycle silver and recovers the paper boat from the storm drain where Georgie oh, was killed whoa, fuck. while meeting a boy named... Oh, my God. Uh, and... Sorry, sorry, this is like the longest sentence in the history of time. Bill finds his childhood bicycle silver and recovers his paper boat from the storm drain where Georgie was killed while... while but, but not Georgie. So he was meeting a boy named Dan yes. whom they saw earlier at the restaurant and lives at his old house and hears voices from the shower drain. Okay. And, and Bill's like, don't go near the shower drain. There's clowns down there. <laughs> With big teeth? The big teeth. Don't worry, they don't look like clowns. Yeah. You'll be able to figure it out. Bill regroups with the others before running off to the carnival and into a fun house after learning it is going after Dean, only to end up watching helplessly as Pennywise kills the boy before his eyes. Henry unsuccessfully attempts to murder Eddie before attacking Mike, though Richie intervenes and kills him. The losers join a traumatized Bill at the Kneebold house, talking him out of facing it alone out of guilt. So... Yeah, okay. They've all done their missions. Some things have gone now wrong. Now we're coming back to go get it. Yeah. Like, is this now the final boss? Like, I feel like I'm ready for the boss battle. We're ready for the final boss. Sick. So the group descends into a cavern beneath the sewers. Mike providing a rock from the loser's fight with the Bowers gang as they perform the ritual in the remains of the meteor that brought it to Earth ages ago. So that's I'm having a- fun. Okay. Like, I'm like, yeah, let's like, let's do it. So the ritual appears to work in trapping the deadlights in the ceiling jar, but they escape after Pennywise emerges from the jar in a giant spider-like form. And this is giant spider Pennywise. Yeah, but it sucks because the point of the book was w- human brains couldn't interpret what's what Pennywise actually yeah. is, so they saw it as a giant spider that was laying heaps of eggs. In in it, and the, the movie, film, it's like, "Hey, I'm a giant spider." What's no, up? wait, that's what I am. No, no, wait, wait, you're gonna hate this so much. <laughs> it's a giant spider with Pennywise's head, so it's what? like it's like a clown spider. It's it's the worst. That actually it's, sounds very funny. Yeah, it's funny. It's dumb. <laughs> it's not scary. It's stupid. It's like, hey, I'm a spider, and it's like they try to do it by being like, every time he opens his mouth, he has like ten rows of. 
teeth and it's like, you know, multiple rows of teeth mm-hmm. equals terrifying, which mm-hmm. is not an equation that anybody agrees with. I was going to say, look, shark food would feel differently, but aside from that, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I went swimming at Nielsen Park on the weekend and I got out of Nielsen Park mm. uh, to see a sign that said, warning, shark net damage. <laughs> and the water was super murky, which is when bull sharks like to roam. It was scary. Bull sharks are very small and can't hurt you. So no, know. aren't bull sharks the scary ones? Uh, I think you're mad, Peach. You're uh, wrong here. I have been wrong before. <laughs> this may well be it, but are you sure? Yeah, bull sharks are the ones that fuck you up. Uh, They're like aggressive... They feed. They, they're the ones in Sydney Harbour. Yeah, That's go. why you don't swim in Sydney Harbour. I always do. I'm super tough. Yeah, I jump off jump rock. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Pennywise pressures Mike into revealing that it killed those who previously performed the ritual. This is what I think is so funny. So it's now a giant spider with a clown face, but it's like... It's like, tell them that I killed <laughs> the previous... <laughs> tell them your secret, uh, yeah. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. Okay. But are we even scared? Like, this is no. like, I'm, I'm just going to eat all your face. So Mike assures the others they have a better chance of facing their fears, but they accuse Mike of lying to them. It attacks the losers and places Bill, Ben, and Beverly in nightmarish scenarios, which they escape once Bill lets go of his guilt over Georgie's death and Beverly realizes Ben wrote the love letter while Richie and Eddie are forced to choose from three doors. Mike gets caught up by Pennywise. But- I imagine this is all fairly spooky. Uh, it's kind of not. Oh, no. So it's happening in like a crater under the earth. It's okay. So you're like, it's basically no, happening on the moon. Yeah. Okay. There's no and it's CGI. No and yeah. Yeah. Mike gets caught by Pennywise, but Richie manages to distract it, allowing Mike to escape, getting caught in its deadlights, and Eddie is fatally impaled after saving him. Eddie reveals how he made it feel small earlier, making the losers realize they can do that by exploiting his requirement of a physical form and how they see it. They begin taunting Pennywise, showing they are not afraid of any of its forms and calling the creature just a clown. Their mockeries cause Pennywise to surprisingly regress physically and mentally into a helpless infant. No shit. It basically does the, ah, I'm shrinking now. Ah, no, I'm scared. This it, sucks. It really sucks. I was so disappointed. And the movie up till now, even though it's basically a video game, was pretty fun. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. Okay, so it's regressed into this is, this is how you kill gods. You're like, no, I'm not scared of you. Well, get this. This is no. This is how you. So you first of all, you show that you're not afraid of it till it becomes an infant. Then Mike proceeds to rip out Pennywise's heart, so he and the losers can crush it, finally killing it for good. That's the end of it. So it just died. Okay. Eddie also dies from his injuries. Okay. And the losers are forced to leave him behind when its death causes a cave-in that destroys the Nabold house. Again, video game and dumb movie trope where it's like, oh, now the thing's dead. Now we've got to escape. Shaq, this sucked a lot more than I felt. Wait, wait, and this sucks too. Oh, okay. what? So the remain- she doesn't have sex with the balance. No, 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 no. So the remaining losers comfort Richie as he mourns for Eddie. Their ordeals end signified by the scars on their hands disappearing. After the losers part ways, Ben and Beverly become a couple. Richie returns to the kissing bridge where he had once carved his and Eddie's initials. Mike decides to move out of Derry and start a new life. And Bill begins writing his new story before receiving a call from Mike as he leaves Derry, learning that Stan sent them all posthumous letters. Stan reveals in his letter that he was too scared to deal with Pennywise again and his suicide was actually a means to give his friends a fighting chance against it and ask the remaining losers to live life to the fullest. Okay, so two things about that ending. Number one, number one, 
Mm. Number one, all mental health professionals say you should never ever show that the effects of a suicide can be positive. Like it's the worst possible thing you can oh, do. Okay. And they basically been like his super suicide was actually him being a martyr save, save and he was a hero for doing it. So that's fucked, number one. This is 13 reasons why. This is the 13 reasons why argument, isn't it? Or whatever no, it is. Number two, in the book, it ends with Beverly still being catatonic because in the book, if you see the deadlights, that's it. You've gone mad by your mind being open to the wonders of the universe. And so she's just completely catatonic. And Bill, adult Bill decides that maybe the the one way he can wake her up is to do the thing they used to do as a kid, which is ride down this hill on this bike with no brakes. So as adults, he, he puts her on the bike behind him and they ride down this hill and then he notices her start to grip on him and you don't know, but you assume maybe that means yes, she's come to. And that's how it that's ends, great. right? So the ending of the movie, number one is that, yes, my suicide was actually a thing to help everyone. But number two, it ends with like this voiceover being like, we didn't just kill it that day. <laughs> we all found ourselves and we realized that being afraid of the things in our life and holding on to things just isn't worth it. And now we're ready to like take off. Like it ends with this super positive Gary V sort of message. And it really, really sucks. Unrefreshing is my verdict. Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?